Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to an episode of Packcast, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tom. It's the first interview of the season of Grassi. And today, we're bringing back a former guest of the show. Former, meaning that he agreed to do this for a second time. Why? I don't know. But he has covered the New Orleans Saints for the Athletic for SB Nation. He has his own YouTube channel covering and breaking down film of the New Orleans Saints. He's got a gaming channel. Ladies and gentlemen, returning for the second time to podcast, Deuce. Thanks for having me. I'm actually here. If you are watching right now, if you're listening to Tom, all I want you to do, start flaming me in the comment section below. Do it right now. <laughs> just, if you're not doing this, then I'm just going to say that as a fan base, you suck. Okay? Ooh. So if you're not flaming me at this very moment, well, just GTFO. That's all I got to say. Just, just get out. Just get out. Buddy, it's, uh, it's great to have you back. Really appreciate you taking the time. And it's only poetic that our teams should be facing off in week one, just is like they though? did 10 years ago. Yes, it is. And here's why. And here's oh, why. Just, and here's why. Because 10 years ago, Randall Ten. Cobb's debut game against the New oh. Orleans Saints ran that bad boy right back for a touchdown. And look, oh, my God, he's back again. Yeah, which one? I'm not worried about it because he's a skill position player and it's been 10 years. Hey, listen, buddy, listen. Do you know how much football acumen he got while on the Houston Texans? <laughs> he learned everything that he needed to. Hey, look, I'm sure his muscles are real relaxed and everything right now. So, <laughs> yeah, they, 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 he got a nice little reprieve. He played the yeah, Packers. It's a vacation. Year. It's a vacation. It, it is. I mean, he called it prison, but you know, there's rec time. So there, there's, 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 there's things there. I can but, play the football. <laughs> let's get football, baby. All right. So since the last time that we spoke, yes. things have occurred within the NFC South. Just a bit. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have a reigning defending Super Bowl champion in the, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I know we're all so ecstatic about. We're super yeah, happy we, about that. We equally are, are enthused to a yep. similar degree. We're just big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. Just Deluge of emotion right now. Just love that. You know, it's like, we're, we're before I even get into anything, now I have to make a comparison. Because years ago, when the Vikings were being good for a hot second, and I know how much you hate the Vikings because the way that they got to the championship game, we're not going to talk about that. But my concern was, oh, God, the Vikings are not only going to go to the Super Bowl, but they're going to win a Super Bowl in their own stadium, and I'm never going to hear the end of it. And so for you, the Saints being on top for so long, do you view like the Buccaneers slash their fan base in that way of like, oh, God, now they're they're just going to be just so obnoxious. Like it's, it's going to be you're never going to hear the end of it. Honestly, no, because and not that – you know, as a fan base, Tampa has every right to be as proud as, you know, yeah, YouTube. We got to monitor ourselves. Very proud. They could be very proud. Okay. But at, at the same breath, you know, the the NFC South has only really ever been two teams. Atlanta's gone to the Super Bowl twice. They've lost. Yeah. Carolina's gone and lost. But Tampa had the Super Bowl win before New Orleans did. 
Mm. So while they've got a second now, this isn't their first rodeo trip, and technically it's their second in two decades, depending on how mo how much you want to really stretch that. So as a franchise, they've kind of had that. Now, it is a little bit special to win it at home and all that other sure. stuff, for sure. But honestly, the, the rivalry in the NFC South is kind of – and I'm not sure how it is for you all in the North, but like to me, the only games that we really care about, like the people the trash talking, is Atlanta. Yeah. Similar to how I imagine y'all really only care about the crap Chicago is saying at any given time. Like, do you really care about Minnesota or Detroit? I mean, do you? D Detroit, it, Detroit, bless their little hearts. They're there. Um, it, I honestly, and I think that this is with a lot, but like the Bears rivalry, it's like the oldest in the history. Yeah. There's like a little bit more like respect there. And to be honest, it hasn't been the most competitive over the past while the Vikings, it's been a little bit more competitive and good God. They don't stop. Like they are, they are preseason champions every single year. They're like, oh, this is the year. And when Aaron Rodgers was gonna leave, they're like, you're gonna be screwed. But then when he didn't leave, they're like, well, you just wait one more year and then we'll kick your ass. Yeah, so, we've got a running back. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Dalvin Cook, who is really good. But I mean, come yes. on, it's 2021, so who cares? Yeah. So. Uh, let's just say that they'll be probably forfeiting a lot of games, so it's not even gonna matter at this point. So it, it, it is what it is. But Tom Brady comes to your division yeah. and I, like everybody in the media was like, oh, my God, like this is it. And listen, they had a good defense right before Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, they had a bunch of pieces that were already there, built up the offensive line. Um, they, they, they did basically what they had to do. And for you watching Tom Brady come into the division to a division rival, kind of what are your initial thoughts on? Oh man, he's here. Did you think that we would get to the point where, like, oh God, they're winning a Super Bowl in their first season? I don't think anybody besides just the talking heads in national media who love to jump on the storylines and then get you to click on their article and you can watch that ad about Viagra really <laughs> believed they were going straight to the Super Bowl. But I mean, obviously, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Whether you yeah. like him or dislike him, he is what he is. My hope going in, because I knew the weapons they had. You've got the Godwins, the Evans. You had a loaded tight end room. You had a you know a surging up offensive line led by Jensen, who one of the nastiest offensive linemen in the NFL. And if you go against him, you hate him. He's dirty, but you you secretly like please sign with my team. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, so they've got that. They've got a great linebacker core, good you know team overall. Then adding Tom, you're like, well, the potential's there. The hope yeah. was that the hubris of Bruce Arians would be like, well, no matter what, you do what I tell you to do. Like he's doing yeah. every other quarterback. Shout out Carson Palmer, Peyton Manning, everybody. And it happened that way for almost two-thirds of a season where, you know, Tom Brady's career interception percentage or his single-season interception percentage last year was on pace to be as high, if not higher, than he's ever had it before. And then you had that second bout where the New Orleans Saints just smacked the ever-loving God smack out of Tampa in Tampa. And then Tom Brady's like, yo, chill out. Here's, <laughs> here's what we're going to do, Bruce. Take this, take this kale smoothie. And I'm going to tell you how we need to run this offense. And when they adapted it more towards Tom Brady's skill set and stopped trying to do the crazy pushes down the field for no reason and everything, yeah. they became a more efficient offense. That's where it really clicked. And then they had the added bonus that you can't control as a team. They were healthy at the end of the season. And no matter how good your team is, if you lose that, your odds of making it to the Super Bowl are very, very tough. And I know Green Bay's had that issue. New Orleans has had that issue. And yeah. it just is what it is. So they managed to make it all the way. And, you know, happy for them. Yeah. But I don't 
I don't think Tom Brady was necessarily the 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 only reason. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but at sure. the same time, do I think they can do it again? It's really hard to repeat. We'll see. Yeah. No, it, you're absolutely right. And kind of just making those comparisons to the Packers besides us uh, commiserating in our misery. Um, this year, like the narrative around the Packers season is like this last dance, right? It's very likely that Aaron Rodgers not it's coming to New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> it's like bringing a Broncos fan on for week one. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> They got Teddy. They're good. They're good. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. As a Saints fan, I could say you're in good hands. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and and you know Devonte and what have you. And we're approaching a cliff when it comes to our cap and everything like that. Last year, mm-hmm. was there a similar narrative slash like sense that this was kind of like a last dance in which Drew Brees likely going to be gone after this season? Cap going to be a little bit rough or was it kind of just let's try to win one for breeze, but we're going to, it is what it is. So it's definitely layered. I will tell you that coming in last year, it was finally official that this was Drew's last go. Like yeah. This was it. Now he's considered retirement every year since 2016. The last year they went seven and nine. Like, and if you go back and watch his end of year presser that year, the dude just looks defeated. Like he's obviously tired of being mediocre and being seven and nine is not this, you know, it's not Detroit Lions 0-16, but it's still like, it's what did I do this entire year of work for? Because it's not like the dude needs money unless he wants to go buy more diamonds, apparently. (laughs) But shout out, Drew. Don't don't buy more diamonds. Two other things. It's got to get that NyQuil sponsorship running again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, although he's got a great new, I don't know if it's not a hair piece, but whatever. Dude, his hair looks fantastic now on NBC. So shout out to whatever you did, buddy. <laughs> I hope to one day be able to afford that level of hairline improvement. You know, can't wait to see you on an infomercial at two in the morning. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all that to the side, you coming in, you kind of knew that, but you also kind of had that years prior. So, like, yeah. you go back just the year before. Drew was potentially this is the last ride. And and we talked about Tom Brady, where he was supposed to come to New Orleans. And then Drew's like, no, I want to come back. So like, all right, Tom, we, we considered it. But Drew's coming back. You have to find a new home. And that, that obviously worked out how it worked out. So, yes, that kind of has been a feeling. And, and there's still that, you know, feeling that they, they truly believe they're a playoff team now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, because of the talent around them. And I know anybody from the outside looking in and seeing Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, because there's such a recency bias amongst fans anywhere, yeah. they're going to look at Jameis's last start and go, well, 30 interceptions, he's going to be awful. And then they're going to be like, well, I remember Taysom here. All he could do is run and be exciting in preseason. No chance. You know, so it's you got to give Sean Payton, who is historically, even when he was with New York and as an offensive coordinator now in new orleans is really nobody's really ever done what he has in terms of consistent level of success top 15 Mm. top 10 offenses so you got to give this you know a a shot as far as the cap goes though to be honest this is a very unique situation in new orleans because everybody outside every year tells you the saints are in cap hell the only reason the saints were in cap hell this year was COVID. they've been in the same situation for about sure. 15 years, they just know with guys like Mickey Loomis, Kai Harley, how to manipulate the cap. And, you know, like you've seen it posted, all oh, the Saints signed Taysom Hill four years, 140 million. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, no, no. no. They signed him 12 million guaranteed and they used an extension to push cap numbers. 
And if you want to go that far, there's three players with an identical contract right now. Marshawn Lattimore, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill. I promise you, they do not have a secret stash of like $420 million just going out to three people. You know, it's cap manipulation. Yeah. And not all teams are as good at doing this as others. And it really depends on the type of players and the positions that you want to keep. And, you know, technically you still got Drew dead cap sitting here, even with his retirement. It's not that much, but, you know, mm -hmm. you kick the can down the road. You have to pay for it. But as long as the salary cap increases every year, you You're can good. make up for it. Yeah. And that's how they've done it. COVID threw a big wrench in the system because you, you your salary cap went down a lot. Mm -hmm. So then you had to it, – it ended up working out okay. There's two players specifically they wish they could have kept, and that's Janoris Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders, particularly Janoris Jenkins. That's the one that they wanted the most. But, you know, ended up – he ended up having to move on, and, and he even talked about afterwards that this was his favorite place he's played. The culture was perfect. It's just It just came down to you can't afford to get everybody back. But, you know, as a team, they're very confident in where they are. I don't think that they have any grand illusions going into week one that they're Super Bowl contenders. Sure. But they do still see themselves as a wild card contender. And, you know, as any team can tell you, whether it's Green Bay, New York, if you get into the playoffs, that's all that's you need. Things it. can happen. That's so it. The, we can talk about that. And I'm sure, as I told Packers fans, to flame me coming into the show. Feel free to flame me on that opinion. But we can discuss why we hold that here as we talk during the show. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, I've said that, right? You look at the 2010 run for the Packers, right? And you just like get in and you just win a few games and you're in. Thank you, Atlanta. Um, you know, I think that, in, especially. Now that like the playoffs have changed, like if you get in now, it's yes. like the seventh seed, you know, and yeah, play on Nickelodeon, you know, like there, there's, there's different. Which Shout out Mitchell now. Trubisky, yeah. the, the MVP to us all, end of our hearts. In terms of making it to the playoffs, you know, you look at the Saints, and while you did lose a couple of pieces, you know, that offense. I know Michael Thomas, he's on the PUP list, just like David Bakhtiari. Um, but you look at Alvin Kamara, who's still absolutely incredible, right? And I imagine will probably run all over us again, like they did, you know, uh, <laughs> Sunday Night Football. But in terms of the quarterbacks that you mentioned, you have Jameis Winston and, and Taysom Hill. What is kind of your view on that QB battle? Because that was a narrative, at least from the outside, that kind mm -hmm. of like when we're talking about the Saints, that got a decent amount of airtime and you know yeah. james winston came in looked good during the preseason what have you Taysom hill has been hyped up for a mm. while now kind of how are you looking at that like is Taysom hill gonna still be like that gadget player or is he going to like eventually take the starting role in your opinion or is this team james winston's it's james winston's team and coming in you know, they gave and the plan was always to give Taysom Hill a legitimate shot to be the starting quarterback because yeah. I think he had earned it. He had been here for you know three years. He had come from Green Bay. They picked him up, put him on the practice squad. You know, he had time to, to earn the right to fight for it. And he was promised it. He was given a legitimate shot. So this wasn't a we signed Jameis Winston and sucks to be you, Taysom. Get out there and play tight end. He yeah. got a legitimate shot. But. The biggest issue with Taysom has always been his field progression when it comes to reads. Because if you've ever followed a high-end play caller like Sean Payton, 
He's not just going to run simple, you know, half field reads all day and one, two high level concepts. He wants to run full field. I mean, the, the concept that him and Drew Brees dominated with for over a decade was four verts, which is a five route read across the entire field. He wants to do that. You know, and he gave Taysom the opportunity to do that. There was uh, two plays, in fact, in the second preseason game where he gave that play twice and he Taysom did the wrong thing twice. Now, one of them still had to be in a completion. We still went the wrong direction in the throw, sure. did the wrong read. And it's not that Taysom, I think, is awful. I still think there's some really bad quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, I believe if Taysom went to Carolina right now, he could probably start. And sorry, any Jets fans listening, if you have some faith in Sam Darnold that I do not have. I oh. Just, yeah, I, we got none. We got like we got like okay, no. Just, just making sure. I mean, the greens. Maybe they, there's some form of loyalty to <laughs> the color green. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> but it, I, I do think that he is a low end starter, high end backup. Yeah, you because know, he is not bad. Okay. You know, and he has the, the the running ability and the dual threat that people talk about, and he can make some fantastic throws. And we can. You, he's a, he's good enough to put a highlight film together for him as a quarterback. He's sure. not good enough to trust as a starter. Whereas Jameis, the number one thing people are going to say is, well, he's turnover prone. So then you have to take the time to look at how he's done in camp preseason, what he's worked on. He's worked on purposely improving his mechanics, working with the same people that helped improve Drew Brees' mechanics coming into mm -hmm. New Orleans. So that was a big thing. And then he's also simply trying to execute the offense instead of just making plays. And that was the thing in Tampa is, dude, we just want okay. you to chunk the ball. Yeah. Just push it. Yeah. He's not being told to push it here. He's being told to execute this play. Make the read. Make the throw. Don't do anything stupid. And he's still throwing 40, 50-yard touchdown passes because he's executing proper reads instead of forcing things. Now, how will that translate to the regular season? Well, we'll find out in a week. But <laughs> – yeah. In terms of is there a battle anymore? No. It's Jameis's, and honestly, it was Jameis's to lose because coming in, he was the better quarterback. Hence, why he started in the NFL for four years. And sure. you know, but uh, I still think Taysom is going to return back to what he has been, which is that extremely deadly receiver slash running back slash quarterback slash fullback slash assistant <laughs> water boy everything. <laughs> yeah. That's not Gatorade. You guys got you got. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. So in terms of you, you mentioned teams like the Carolina Panthers. We already talked about Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Atlanta Falcons are, they're doing stuff. Um, in terms of like the division as a whole. Yeah. You look at like the Falcons and you could argue like, you know, Matt Ryan, who still, you know, threw for like over 4,000 yards last season. Um, they're, I don't want to say rebuilding, but like maybe they're, they're about to maybe potentially close the chapter. Maybe Matt Ryan's in the twilight of his career, right? The Panthers yeah. are a very young team. They're trying Sam Darnold at QB. See how that works out, right? The Buccaneers, there's just like a lot of finger crossing that maybe when Tom Brady leaves after this season, maybe this is the year that maybe they'll regress a little bit, even though they have yeah. some young guys on their team. How are you looking at the division as a whole? Because the Saints, I would argue you know, have been, like you said, one of the top teams of two for all this time. You know, Sean Payton has this record of consistency of being really, really good. You had Drew Brees. Do you see this as like the Saints division still, or is it the Buccaneers for like a temporary thing and then another team might sneak in? Like, I just kind of want to know, like, yeah. not even rankings, like where the division's at. Well, I guess it, it it really comes down to, is Jameis Winston good or is Jameis Winston the Winston that we saw last with you know Bruce Arians, yeah, because if the Saints can show 
and this is not to, to me to try to just blow this hype train like, oh, Jameis Winston is secretly a top three quarterback. But let's just say, for argument, he's top 15. So he's better than average. Yeah. If you take the talent the Saints have with a – Jameis Winston's young compared to A-Rod, Brady, guys like that. If you have a younger quarterback with Peyton being arguably the best offensive play call in the NFL, and then you've got Thomas, Kamara, probably the best offensive line in the NFL right now. You know, because – Top left tackle is two names. It's David Bakhtiari and Teron Armstead. It's the only two to me that really have in that argument. And Duke Manny Weather will say the same thing. You can flip one of those depending on what you prefer. Okay. Bakhtiari is extremely talented. Armstead a little bit more athletic, but also a little bit more injury prone history wise. But the thing that sets the Saints offensive line apart is they're the they have the best tackle duo, undeniably. They have a stud left, and they have all pro level on both sides, and then they have a strong core. So whether you put the Saints offensive line at number one or number three, they have a very young, very star-studded offensive line that basically everybody's like 28 years or younger. So if the quarterback situation is okay, it's still the Saints long-term in the division. But right now the best team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, the one that just won a Super Bowl. They're the best team. Yeah. But there's also a reason that – People are going to look at, oh, well, the Saints won of at least 11 games over the past four years. And then people are going to be like, well, they had Drew Brees. Well, the Saints are 8-1 and one without Drew, and they beat Atlanta twice with Taysom Hill as quarterback, who just yeah. lost the starting job. So, obviously, it's more than just Drew. It hurts to lose a Hall of Fame quarterback. I hope the sure. Packers don't have to deal with that. I mean, but that – Y'all are just going to have your have to have your own, you know, uh, Big Brother episode between the GM and and A Rod. Can y'all be on Hard Knocks, please? Listen, Can we, we already cancel? lost one, so um, <laughs> it just happened a little bit longer ago. Yeah, I know it's gonna, it's gonna. But I mean, I think the Saints, young talent wise, have got young talent to be good, if nothing worse than like a 500 team while they rebuild their situation. Okay. As long as Sean Payton is there, there's nothing of Sean Payton's coaching history to suggest that they'll ever be like a four and 13 team, which is still getting really weird to say with a new extra game. It's very but, weird. Yes. You know, um, am I like, and I said this at the beginning, am I coming in thinking the saints are like a 13 win team? No, but do I think that they could win 10, maybe 11 if things go right. And they are a, a number seven or maybe number six seed in the wild card. Yeah. Sure. I think that it's definitely there. So the talent for this team is, is enough to where you could be confident. I mean, they were a number, uh, top five defense last year. And that that really hasn't changed. The second cornerback spot is kind of curious, and we're all going to see how that ends up playing out. That's one of the reasons I'm kind of happy you got Randall and- Cobb and Al Lazard. <laughs> so, you know, it's if Lattimore plays up and he's on Adams, you're slightly more confident. If Lattimore plays down and he plays like he did last year and lets Alan Lazard school him, yeah. well, then there's problems. One thing with Lattimore is he always plays up to talent. And he probably respects Adams a hell of a lot more than he respected Lazard. So he might actually put out a better performance in this game. So we'll just see how it plays out. But young talent is there for the Saints. It's okay. just, can the quarterback work out? That's fair enough. And in looking and talking about kind of matchups with the Green Bay Packers. So <laughs> you saw that story, I'm assuming, about how the Saints chose Jacksonville as a uh, their preferred stadium that they were going to be playing in, in all the Florida stadiums mm-hmm. that, yeah, they just wanted to be a pain in the ass for Packers fans to, to, to get, which by the way, like we're going to show up. It's, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like they're, they're going to be there. So I well, want to get, because there's some nuance here 
So I want to get your first take on playing in Jacksonville, right? You, you guys already play in Tampa, right? Yeah. So you're kind of used to at least the Floridian heat. Do you think that that home field or lack of home field advantage is going to play a factor at all in this game? Mm, the Here's what might play a factor. Y'all don't like our heat and humidity. True. It is not the crowd noise. And just to be clear real quick, the first choice was AT&T Stadium in Dallas. That's what I wanted. Of course that's what you wanted. That's our home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's also from a comfort, from a travel. From it's It would have been much better to be there yeah. for a lot of us. But anyway, the I don't think there will be a home field advantage. I mean, there's even though I think the Saints can travel well, y'all do have to keep in mind that we just had a massive natural disaster. And, and not to be – and sensitive like your GM was because he's a nozzle. Um, I don't think anybody in your area who lives up there can truly fathom what that's like just because there's nothing e- equivalent for just tornadoes every now and then. Yeah. 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 But a tornado is no offense, nothing compared to a category four hurricane the size of a state. So take can your we tornado get into a, a natural disaster debate. <laughs> yeah, we can. <laughs> like, well, did you even think about typhoons? We have lakes. <laughs> Okay, I mean, is Green Bay <laughs> secretly in Southeast Asia? I mean, uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so just from that standpoint, though, you we've still got the city of New Orleans completely isn't in power yet. And yep. there are a lot of surrounding cities that won't have power until maybe next month. So, I mean, the ability for Saints fans to travel, will there be Saints fans there? Well, of course. But sure. is it going to be one of those things where like, oh, we can just drive a few hours and go to Jacksonville? No, it's just, it's it's probably going to be similar to how, if y'all go back, if you're old enough to remember like when we had Katrina happen and we're playing in places like San Antonio and LSU where the stadium's half full. It's not that we don't support our team. It's just that some of us literally lost our house. Yeah, you know, so yeah. more important things going on. We'll listen on the radio, and I think the only advantage really that comes down to it is we are used to that level of heat and humidity. Can that wear Green Bay down in the second half of a game? Yeah. To where if it is, let's just say ninety-five degrees and eighty percent humidity. I mean, it's harder to breathe. It's harder to oh, do yeah. anything in those conditions. Does that affect y'all? Because we practice in Metairie every day, and that's just kind of like we're used to it. So yeah. if if that's the case, that's the only advantage if there is one. Okay. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers is not going to have to worry about not being able to get his play calls off because there's no crowd noise. There's not going to be a 120 decibel stadium screaming at him. Sure. Yeah. So like – Give and take. I mean, because like we've had success in Florida before um, and also lack of success in Florida before. But I think to to your credit, yeah, I think it's the lack of crowd noise. But also I think the last time I checked, it's supposed to be like 90 degrees or something like that. So like it's it's going to be hot and it's in the afternoon. Like it's, you know. It's, it's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be I like how they decided to keep the time slot. Like, we'll just keep it at three. Yeah, it yeah. sounds great. It sounds yeah, great. That's fine. That's fine. But um, so in terms of matching up against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kept just about everybody. The big difference is Corey Lindsley. So Corey Lindsley going over to the Chargers, replacing that with Josh Myers, rookie guy. Uh, And then, of course, not having like Jamal Williams, but you have A.J. Dillon just taking that that second running back spot. So other than that, the team has basically stayed the same in who we had last year. And then we've just added some people with the draft, like Eric Stokes, DJ Slayton, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So 
how are you looking at this game in terms of like the Saints chances of pulling away like a week one victory? You know, what are some matchups that you're looking at? I know you mentioned like Lattimore on potentially Adams. I mean, who knows? MVS. I'm I'm all about that MVS season this year. He uh, he had he had the same amount of deep touchdowns as Tyreek Hill last year. So uh, Look, we'll see. Scantling Scantling's talented. I'm not saying he's not. I mean, for sure. Uh, that that would be more of. You know, you probably worry about him attacking more out of the slot, especially if you got Adams. And definitely, you can use movement to to move those things around. I, I think matchup wise, I guess you got to look at the grand, uh, the the bigger picture. Then we go individual, but like defensively for um, Green Bay, yeah. Secondary, I find fantastic. Yeah. Like, can I have Jari Alexander, please? Like, no, Jair's ours, and he's beautiful. <laughs> he is. He's, he's the he's the perfect talent that will also chirp at you. It's it's perfect for me. He's, he's the perfect so corner. Your front seven, not as imposing, especially compared to Saints offensive line, Alvin Kamara, et cetera. Sure. That is, and I'm not trying to say Green Bay's bad. No. Uh, continue to flame me in the comment section below. I'm here for it. <laughs> but I think if, you, if you're really going matchup to matchup, you know, it's like you, you got the Smith brothers who aren't really brothers, but you got the Smith brothers. But do they match up, say, versus Cesar Ruiz, McCoy, you know, Ram, things like that? No, I, I think the Saints' offensive line is set to have that level of protection enough to have success. It's the secondary. Can the Saints receivers, without Michael Thomas, have success against the system that you will employ with some very talented players on the outside? You know, the Saints have got a young guy that we had last year that is Mark West Calloway. So there's no stats on this guy. I had 21 catches last year. Mm-hmm. So most Packers fans are probably going to write him off because every team has that stud nobody knows about. Well, the stud sure. nobody knows about in New Orleans is Marquez Callaway. He was one of those guys that averaged about 20 yards a catch in Tennessee. Now, in Drew's about final three years of his career, the deep thing just wasn't there. It would happen every now and then, and you'd be like, ha-ha, still there, guys, told you. But it wasn't <laughs> really there. And you have to go back to about 2017, like really go back to – 2016 go back to when cooks and michael thomas was a rookie and you saw michael thomas running like these deep posts and these 17 yard breaks and he would be running and attacking downfield that was the last time drew really had the juice and he pushed the field and when that started to go away they changed the play style of the game for new orleans that focused more on the intermediate so like everybody calls michael thomas slant boy yep the true route that he is the best in the nfl is the crossover about a 12 yard crossover he's unstoppable uh, but that's going to change this year because now the Saints are opening it back up again. They mm-hmm. can attack more than just having a 12-yard break. They can actually go downfield and use seven-step drops and stuff like that, and Winston can make those throws, and you saw a couple of those in the preseason. So a guy like Marquez Callaway and even Traquan Smith coming out of UCF, who were both guys that may not had 4-3 speed but were very, very good in the deep portion of the game, well, for three or four years, this team couldn't have really taken advantage of that. Now they mm-hmm. can. So that's something to to okay. add a layer that wasn't necessarily there before. Not saying that the team's better without Drew, because gosh, sure, that's, sure, sure. that's so many different debates and discussions. But that is something to watch. Like if you're looking for the main matchup, it's the deep ball versus Green Bay. And does it actually come alive early on? Because the Saints are going to come back with play action. They're going to attack two ways. They're a renewed focus on play action and the screen game and attacking deep. 
the intermediate stuff will still be there, but from where you're used to seeing the Saints use like 10-yard, 15-yard passes as their bread and butter, yeah. expect a lot more play action going deep, using Yankee concepts. Uh, you know, you're still going to see more screen passes, similar to how you did like the 2011, 2009 Saints. Yeah. That's probably what we see more of this year versus what we saw last year. So it'll be interesting to see how Green Bay decides to attack that because you take, say, the screen game. How confident are you in, in your – run of linebackers to cover Alva Kamara in space. Well, honestly, like you, you bring up like all these different facets of the Packers defense and yeah, I'm not really worried about the secondary too much. Um, I think Kevin I, King I love gets secondary. I love like, even secondary. Kevin King, you know, like I think the mm -hmm. NFC championship game, not his game. Like, it was, it was bad. It was really, sure. really bad. But I've also got depth. I love Stokes. I mean, yeah. I'd take Stokes. Can I have Stokes, please? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take him, please. Eric Stokes, go fast. But like you look at our safety core, like for example, like Eric Stokes, go fast. Uh, like Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are phenomenal. Like I love I that safety tandem. Um, yeah. It's the linebacker. Because even you look along, you mentioned the Smith brothers, but Rashawn Gary, who started to come mm -hmm. up last mm -hmm. year, really excited for him this year. Um, you look at the D-line and it's been all Kenny Clark. I'm very curious on what TJ Slayton can do because he is a massive human being. So I'm curious about that. But you talk about linebackers. We have a very young, inexperienced mm -hmm. linebacker core. Now, you did bring in Campbell from Arizona, who's going to be like the veteran yeah. there. But you have, you know, Chris Barnes is on the team. You're going to have like Oren Burks, who had a nice little preseason resurgence. Shout out here. to Chris Barnes' spelling of his name, by the way. Like, thank <laughs> you for making me have to look up your name anytime I write about you. Because you decided to spell it K R Y S. R -Y -S. Yep. Yeah, that's, just, that's my couldn't man. just be regular Chris. It had nope. to be nope. like Chris, but <laughs> with a K and like, a Y. <laughs> we let go of Kamal Martin, which was like yeah. a, li a little surprising, but like based on his, I guess, productivity, and he did, wasn't the same after his injury. But it comes down to like Joe Barry, right? Because like when yeah. we hired Joe Barry, I was like, okay, like I'm, there's not not really gonna woo. Hair didn't get set mm -hmm. on fire there, but you look at what he did with guys like Corey Littleton and you're like, okay, like if he can kind of take that linebacker core and develop them, then we could be something. So yeah. I think it's a matter of, I, we just don't know what we have there and we don't know what Joe Barry is going to offer at that position. So there's yeah. a lot of question marks with them. There are. And like you mentioned Campbell, like that's somebody that obviously saints were very familiar with because yeah. he's coming from Atlanta. And let me tell you, he did not do very well versus no. <laughs> Alpha Camara. Yeah. So it's, there is those questions there because if that short game is successful, whether it's the running game, the screens, then it will force guys like Amos and everything to come down. You know, they've got to help defend those areas of the field that are being exploited. Sure. And if you can drag Savage and Amos down five yards, that opens up the deep game. You only need about five yards. So if you can adjust it just a little bit by having that success, well, that's how you try to exploit what isn't a, a great secondary. But even the best corner can only cover so long. And if you sure. can use play action, and you talk about young linebackers, what do you, the young linebackers usually struggle with? Play action. They bite down hard. And then you have the middle of the field open. So – there's ways that Sean Payton is talented enough to attack it. It's just, is the Saints offense, especially without Michael Thomas, good enough to exploit it? I'm not sure. You yeah. know, it's it's a huge question. I mean, and coming in, honestly, week one, I'm never confident in even in my best team because you, you've yet to see them on the field and you've yet to see yourself so that you can make adjustments on what you now notice as a weakness. I mean, it's, it's yeah. easy to play against yourself for two months and be like, yo, we're so good. We're, we're so good. Right <laughs> Dude, we're 
We're going 17 and 0, baby. <laughs> but then you hit a, another football team and you're like, oh, other people play football. Oh, it's, they hit us. <laughs> yes. So you don't know for though, like a month. Like it takes yeah, like, exactly. a, like a month of September, like this team is gonna look very different. <laughs> yeah, I mean if if the Green Bay Packers and the Saints play week one, which they will, which uh, you know, barring Kirk Cousins making a you know world tour. <laughs> Whatever we see in week one will be very different if we met again in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Two completely different teams. Okay. You know, but if I'm looking at it here on paper, you know, and and obviously on your side of this show, everybody in Green Bay is gonna be like, Man, these two guys are delusional. There's no way. And then on our side, it's gonna be like, Well, you're underestimating, you know, the Sean Payton and everything. And sure. I think there's truth to both sides. I mean, Green Bay is a more established, ready to go team now. The only thing that I would say that Green Bay is like Worse at is y'all's locker room just is awful with the whole culture of just y'all got to chill out. Uh, listen, I disagree completely. The front office, not good, but yeah, Matt that's kind of more what I'm pointing at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. front office. They, they okay, can, so front office and a run. Front office and a run. But yeah. what you have to deal with, I, I'm not saying that like Kenny Clark or, and God, I'm so mad that y'all got rid of Mike Daniels. He's one of my favorite human beings on the entire earth. But the locker room itself, fine. But anytime you have the top down have those issues, mm-hmm. it will sometimes cause problems in games. And I'm curious how this will affect a We We know what A-Rod can do, but A-Rod being like, yo, you want to make me happy? Bring back Randall Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> And we're all just sitting here from the outside like, is that really enough? Is that all it took? It's not. But I think at the end of the day, the way that it's been talked about, even by Aaron Rodgers and even by Goody, it's like, yeah, Matt, it's Matt's team. Like, you you mm-hmm, control mm-hmm. like that, you go do that. Because Aaron Rodgers loves Matt LaFleur. And I think that, if anything, that's fine. I think that something that ran speaking of Randall Cobb, like something Randall Cobb said when he came back in his first press conference, like someone asked him basically like flat out said like, Hey, like the GM only brought you back. Not cause like you're an amazing player, but brought you back because of Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's, 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 that's a little bit of like a punch. And Cobb literally said, he's like, I don't care. Like how many snaps I play. I don't care how many catches. Like, I don't care about the pro bowl. I don't care. He's like super bowl. That's it. Like that, yeah. that's all they're there for. And I think that, if you're a veteran on this team and this is Aaron Rodgers last season, you view this as like the last dance, not just the last dance for Rodgers. Like there's so many veterans going like, this might be the best shot I have in my career ever or for a very long time to win a ring. And it's kind of the same with the rookies that they're like, if we have this one window of this one year in which we're going all in, this is my best shot. So I think actually the, the locker room and culture itself is is going to be really competitive and really good because be it's good, kind yeah. of that understanding like it's you know with drew Brees or something like that you're like yeah okay like this is our last year like let's go and win it for drew like that kind of stuff right i think that it's kind of that same mentality of like we all everyone wants to win a super bowl right but it's you don't know until after most of the years of like oh that was that guy's last season because he's gonna get cut or like, oh, yeah. he's going to get you know released or he's going to retire or what have you. I think that this is a very clear statement. And again, maybe something happens which the relationship gets repaired. There's talks about it. I don't really care about that at the moment. But I think that like right now there is this narrative and sense of urgency of, oh, crap, we got one season. Let's try to win a, win a ring and that's it. Yeah, that's great. I think – and obviously I'm coming from an outsider's perspective. Sure, sure. It's just – it's we've seen unless there are teams where the coach has complete control even from the front office standpoint yeah front offices can interfere and sure. if 
if a front office is in your best player's head, that's got to be a little bit worrisome. It is to me anyway. Mm. And that doesn't mean that he can't perform, but I think that even Green Bay fans would be like, yeah, there's there's definitely a problem going on right now between um, – Oh, the yeah, big, there's the an chair. issue. So and, – and how does that end up affecting Rodgers? Because Rodgers has always been temperamental. Let's just let's just call him temperamental. He's very how does that zen nowadays? You've seen the you've seen the lettuce? He's he's very very uh, yeah, zen. Yeah yeah yeah. I saw all of his golfing trips and everything. And that's <laughs> fine. That's it's great. I'm happy for him. But will these type because these things have affected other players before? Sure. So I just, I'm curious to see how it plays out. How much does it have of an impact on a week one game? Probably not. We're more talking long term type mm. issues because. I'll be honest. When, when I think of like the threats, let's talk about the offensive side of Green Bay. I really don't think about Randall Cobb at all. I see him as like y'all's wide receiver number five. Okay. Be not trying to be disrespectful to him, but truly I fear Scantling, Adams, Lazard, Moore, like Lazard's Barty type is some. I wanted him in New Orleans. So, you know, while it's good that, you know, you got your friend back or whatever, what, what, is, what do you realistically see Cobb getting? Maybe 10, 15 snaps a game? Or do you think he's going to start? Because I, mean, I would not start him. I think he starts until Amari Rogers goes in the slot. I, See, I, I think I think that that's going to. I think that real quick, just to bounce back off a point that you said. Um, yeah. In talking about locker room, like that when when Aaron Rodgers like just was like, here's here's the whole story, right? Like at his press conference, he talked a lot about locker room guys. Like maybe they're not yeah. going to be the most productive on the field, but like they're going to be really good for the locker room. And I feel like that's what Randall Cobb is. Like I think he can yeah, still yeah. perform, but I think like he's a locker, he's a room, locker guy. room guy. He knows Amari Rodgers really well. His dad was his coach, like a whole nine yeah. yards. So I think like Which is why I think that he won't really play them because I think to me, that's a better player than Amari Rodgers. And the Saints have those type of guys like in Craig Robertson, where he was mm-hmm. the starting linebacker at one point, but he's basically just a special teams captain for the yeah. past two years. It's great to have those guys, but I'm gonna we're, we're kind of getting on rabbit trails of what we should, you know, de- de- determine the Green Bay Packers starting roster. But like, if I'm coming from an outside perspective, though, which I am, I don't fear Randall Cobb, but I do mm-hmm. worry about a young Amari killing me in the middle of the field. Sure. So. Yeah, I I honestly don't know how much in a week one matchup. I think you're going to see more Randall Cobb. I think it's just because that relationship that he has with Rogers and like, you know, like that history that he has with him and just like, he can, he can improvise. Like, you know, Amari doesn't like he's a rookie and that's not on Amari Rogers. Like that's just a rookie. And when asked about Amari Rogers, he said that he's like, he plays like he's a rookie and that's it, you know, and he's had Mm -hmm. some botched like returns and, and had some stuff. And he's also, when I was at camp, like he made some amazing like diving catch every single day I was at camp. So the talent is there. I think he's just going to be, I don't know. I think maybe he's just going to get mixed in at first and it's going to be Cobb getting the majority of the snaps. But I mean, we're not, we have no idea like what it's going to look like until like week one, but I could see Cobb starting out and then slowly throughout the season, Rogers like starting to get more looks. So let's jump into uh, y'all's offense and defense. I mean, we talked a little bit uh, through the webcam about offensive line. That's an inside joke for all y'all flaming me in the comment section right now. But I personally am not – so our front seven is kind of where we're kind of in a weird position from y'all. It's like while we have Marcus Williams and Marshall Lattimore, so we're very comfortable in that, the number two corner is in question. So that's not an issue for y'all. Y'all's corners Mm -hmm. are all set. You know what you got. 
But the Saints front seven has actually come out as really scary good. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got Cameron Jordan, which is the one that everybody knows, but Marcus Davenport is healthy, really looking good. I know good. him. <laughs> they just uh, brought in, you know, Peyton Turner. But they've got Carl Granison, who's been another young pass rusher. Like, I hate, I really hate to see Trey Hendrickson just getting absolutely abused in Cincinnati right now and all these highlight clips. But there's a there's a very good system between Ryan Nielsen and Hodges on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. And I'd argue that the Saints coaching staff, everybody thinks Peyton, but the Saints coaching staff is one of the best in the league, and they consistently produce new players. So the front seven is very strong for New Orleans. And mm-hmm. without Bakhtiari, I know you're confident in Jenkins, but as any pro O-line evaluator tell you, it is – much different to slide outside and be as effective at left tackle as it is to be, say, an inside player. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's played it, though. Like that, he that, has. Yeah, like that's the only thing. Last season, like when Bakhtiari was out and like the whole nines, like he he's played literally on every single spot there. Like Ellen Jenkins is going to get God money like when he eventually gets extended. Yeah, the versatility is amazing because he played yeah. over a thousand snaps for y'all last year. Yeah, he's but nuts. The, at the same time, I wouldn't rank him as a top five left tackle. He's a very good player. Sure, sure, sure. But the issue that you're going into is the Saints are one of the best teams in the league at running stunts up front to force confusion, to force change. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how he matches up versus the yeah. outside attack because the Saints have also added a new layer to that attack this year because you've got a, an emerging player, Zach Bond, who we basically redshirted last year. But Zach Bond coming out of college was like pass rushing outside linebacker, essentially. Yeah. Two-point stance, defensive end guy who could get 10 sacks in college, but we brought him in like, yo, we're going to change you to a full-on linebacker, but then we'll after we finish that, we're going to unleash you as a pass rusher as well. So you got Demario Davis, who's already an elite inside pass rusher at linebacker. you got Zach Bond, who's extremely good, and then you've got Pete Warner and Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander, also good at that position. Pete Warner just being kind of like a solid rookie. We'll see how many snaps he gets, but from a pass rush perspective, this team is loaded except in the middle because David Onyemata is going to miss games. Sure. But from the outside perspective, and running twist, and they also picked up Tano Passignon from Kansas City who fits the same profile of Marcus Davenport and Turner. So they're building something very specific. And it's not that I'm trying to – it's a weird way to put this. Like I'm not trying to trash Jenkins and say that he's bad. It's, no. He's just not David Bakhtiari. No, and <laughs> so that's the only thing. Like, I think you get a slight potential advantage for New Orleans. There is, even though you have a good player, we're, we're also just talking about one position. I think if we talk about the other side of the line and the interior, yeah. like Cameron Jordan on the opposite side, that you got to worry about. Yep. It's just the fact that the Saints are not a team that has got like that one stud that you got to worry about shutting down. Yeah, they the team, the Saints are very scheme oriented team, which is why Trey Hendrickson, who has like fourteen inch arms, had thirteen sacks. I mean, yeah. You know, it's that's what you got to worry about. Do I think Jenkins is good? Yes. Would I still be very worried about your offensive line play? Yes. I think, yeah, I think the left tackle, like I said, I'm not as concerned. I think mm-hmm. he's, is he David Bakhtiari? No. But I will say because he's sliding over, it does leave other positions a bit concerned. And I will be very honest, center is a big concern for me right now because while Josh Myers has made like some good plays, don't get me wrong, like he's a rookie. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have that cadence with Rodgers yet. You know, he has made some mistakes. There was a big one on the Jordan Love interception that he threw in preseason. 
like Myers got underneath him and tripped Jordan Love, like in him going back. And I'm, you know, these are things that you learn from and he's a rookie. I'm not expecting him to go out and be an all pro right away. But like until that rapport and relationship is developed, yeah, it's a concern. And I think going into week one, looking at the offensive line, there's probably going to be some growing pains. And you do mention the pass rush of the Saints. You know, that's a concern. And then you fast forward two weeks and it's the 49ers. The week after, it's the Steelers. You know, like yeah. and the Bears are, are week six. So, you know, this is this is an offensive line that's going to have to mature really, really quick and gel together really, really quick. Or it could be a problem. And week one, yeah, it it could give Aaron Rodgers uh, some issues. Sorry, yeah. just typing on my very loud mechanical keyboard. Um, yeah, it's, it's, enhance. Yeah, enhance. <laughs> I think the only advantage you have there, if you are a Packers fan listening, is David Onyemata's out. David Onyemata is probably, when he returns, if he continues on the growth path he's had, is going to be a top 10, maybe top 5, 3 technique in the NFL this year. And he's been on that continual growth pattern, so it's not like he's coming out of nowhere. I mean, if you've watched the Saints for the past couple of years, you've seen him on that ascension arc. But he's out. He's suspended because he likes things. So we won't get him for a while. There are still some threats to the interior. And for me, the Jenkins thing at left tackle is, yes, I do think that they can attack him directly, but more so it just weakens the group as a whole. Sure. And, you know, if Bakhtiari was there, and it's so crazy to talk about this, but I'm a trenches guy. Like, that's where I've trained. That's where I've studied. If Bakhtiari is there, I literally give the Packers, like, a two-score advantage. I'm being honest. I think it's much closer without Bakhtiari. And as not disrespect to Aaron Rodgers or Alexander, no, no. I think there's a star-studded team on both sides here. But if the Saints are going to win this game, it's obviously coming down to affecting Aaron Rodgers. And I think that they have a much easier task in week one because Bakhtiari's not going to be there. Yeah. I think it's valid. I think yeah. I think it's definitely valid. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be a closer game than maybe some – Packers think uh, like Packers fans think because I, you know, they look at a Jameis Winston and they're like, ha famous Jameis, right. Is just going to, you know, throw 30 turnovers. But I think, you know, as we've talked about throughout this show, kind of just the, the hope for saints fans is it's not the same old, you know, we'll, we'll see like with that combination of Sean Payton, that combination of not just like, I'm just going to throw it up there and hope someone's over there, you know, that there's, exactly. uh, there's going to well, be I mean, some improvement. Green Bay remembers the Rams, right? Y'all, y'all know the Rams. Oh yeah. Well, Sean McVay, if Sean McVay can take a Jared Goff and literally say every play do this and they can yep. make it to the Super Bowl, what can a Sean Payton do with the guy he doesn't have to say every play do this? Yeah. You know, so like if we can trust coaches to elevate players, like I think I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a player that needs to be elevated, but he can still be put into a system that's better for him. And I think LaFleur has given him that. Uh, yep, exactly. Peyton can elevate quarterbacks. He elevated Breeze, and that's not disrespect to Breeze. Breeze yeah. maybe had a Hall of Fame track if he would have kept playing. Who knows? But he definitely had a Hall of Fame track with Sean Payton. Yeah. Sean Payton is – Kerry Collins is a freaking pro bowler under Sean Payton. <laughs> Kerry Collins, the dude yeah. had like a one-to-one touchdown interception his entire career, and then Sean Payton comes around and is like, hey, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> stop that <laughs> yeah stop that. so it's you have to trust in what you have like if, if the saints weren't the saints and like you didn't have a sean payton and let's just say that uh jeff fisher came back in the nfl and you gave sure. him james winston sure cool famous james more 30s here we come yeah. but you have to look at the saints and trust in the fact that they've now given teddy bridgewater two starting 
years on two different teams. Mm -hmm. Teddy probably never starts another game in his career if it's not for Sean Payton putting him in his system, giving him wins when Drew goes down, and then sure. he becomes a starter in Carolina. Uh, then Brady, not the player, the coach who's coming out of college, apparently decides we don't need two-minute drills and stuff. We don't know who needs red zones. And, and that's just young coordinator problems and now he goes and wins the job in denver from a guy who should have won it you know the draft pick and all that sure so but does teddy ever have that chance without i mean and you just lost or tamus tamus that's what we call him <laughs> Taysom hill just lost the, the starting quarterback yeah. job but even though he started four games last year or what five games four games and you have the Saints one with him so yep. if Peyton can do that with these type of guys consistently, you have to trust that he can elevate a Winston. So if you come in thinking, oh, Winston's going to throw 30 interceptions, then you're just being disingenuous. Like you're just mm -hmm. purposely trying to be – those guys suck. You're not trying to be analytical or use a logical thought yeah. process. And that's fine. If you want to be a fan and just throw cheese curds at us, cool. Do whatever you do in Green Bay. But realistically, you can't expect Jameis to be a 30-interception guy under Sean Payton. Sure. Can he be Aaron Rodgers? God, I hope so. But very <laughs> unlikely. Very unlikely. You know, it, it, I guess, once again, referring to our first episode, depends on which A-Rod. Temperamental A-Rod who decides to play some games. Cool. Look good last year. <laughs> yeah. A-Rod who decides that, you know what? I want to be elite. It's a scary, it's a scary dude. It's a scary dude. I think we're going to see a lot of that this year because – it's the last I think dance, baby. I think he's got a fire this year, and oh, I think dude. I think the fire is one thing that that I do like about players like A Rod is when they get the fire, they make it very personal. I think he just wants to shove a football literally down your GM's throat, <laughs> but he wants that football to be silver, and he yeah. wants it to have a long spike at the end of it <laughs> because it, it could go down deeper. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. Get a handle on it exactly, like, and yeah, and then. He wants he wants that Super Bowl to be known as it's his. He did it, not the GM, <laughs> not the moves. So that type of fire I could see him actually having because I've and we've had this debate. I feel like he's yeah. had inconsistency because I don't think he's always had that fire. He's always had the talent, but he hasn't always had that same level of I'm the best. And when Aaron Rodgers is at that level, it's freaking nuts. Yeah. And I think he could be at that level this year. And and that's why, even as a Saints fan, I'd definitely pick Green Bay to win this game. I just think it's closer than some of these like 41 to 20 predictions I've seen. Sure. I don't think it's anything like that. Yeah, I uh, I think we've covered like the gambit. I think we I think we ran through it all. And Deuce, I, hey, I we've I, got a great new punter, dude. You don't know about our punter. Well, do we? Yeah, we traded for one, so suck it. <laughs> yeah, Blake Gillikin's booting 63 yards with five second hang times. You're not ready. Oh yeah, we had a seventy. Ready. He said a seventy-two yarder last year and a twelve yarder. So where can you see but that kind of consistency? What, oh God, what's his coffin corners like? Uh, he had one really good one uh, during the preseason, the last game in the preseason. So they were really nice. So, so here's what we're doing, everybody. Here's the side bet. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the score of the game, with the quarterback play. Nope. Nope. We're only doing bets on who has the best punting game. So drop your thoughts in the comment section below on either channel. And whoever wins, uh, me and Tom will have a sword battle or something. I don't know. Yeah, oh, we will. And honestly, I think you guys are going to win it, though, because we won't be punting the ball. See it in there? See it in? I'm ready. Listen, I'll go get I have. I'm literally looking at a sword right now. <laughs> We're such nerds. <laughs> yes. Deuce, my friend, thank you for coming on again. Please tell all the peoples where they can find you, everything that you do. 
Links will be in the description. What do you got? Well, uh, my name is Rev Deuce Windham. You can check me out on Twitter at the same. Just to put that little at symbol there, Rev Deuce Windham. If you want to check me out on the good old-fashioned YouTubes, I believe you're familiar with the platform. Maybe. You can check out Hudak Confessional. Now, if you want to come over there, don't just come. Just listen to my podcast and kind of hear the same thing we just talked about. What I do on there is I do try to focus on things like film studies. So if you actually do want to see some of the concepts New Orleans is using with Jameis Winston that make him look better, we actually bring out the All-22, and if uh, you've had trouble finding it this year, well, your boy's got you. So come check me out over there on the YouTube channel as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it, man. Deuce, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I wish you luck for the season. Uh, I hope the Buccaneers uh, don't torment you, and I hope that you kick their ass not only in the regular season but also in the postseason. I wish that until we meet y'all, apparently, right? Yeah, until then, then yeah, you okay, then okay. it just goes down like I, was, I, I thought you were just like, you know what? You know what? Saints, you win it all. You deserve it. Yes. <laughs> no, just, just, give, just give us this one. Just give me, just give me, just give me, just want one more, one more. But just, you got one literally in your room. It's there. Yes. Yeah, like, it's been a while. <laughs> Buddy, uh, I appreciate you. Folks, thank you so much for watching. We have freaking fracking football coming this week. Packers football on Sunday. It's going to be fantastic. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Tom Grassi. And as always, Go Pack Go!